when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players, you have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. <laughs> Let's go, Raider Nation, and welcome to Just Pod Baby with your host, Evan Grote, your home for Raiders news, notes, and information. Just Pod Baby is a part of the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. You can check me out on Twitter at egrote5, and you can check out more of my work and several other talented people's work over at silverandblackpride.com. Later on the show, I'll be joined by guest Patrick Starr, who covers the Texans for SI.com. He's also the host of his own podcast, State of the Texans. All right, Raider Nation, we're back at it again this week, coming off that embarrassing loss to the Packers at Lambeau Field. Listen, what can I say? I I thought the Raiders um, had a chance uh, on paper going into this game. I spoke last week about it. I felt that it would be a game where the Raiders could could move the ball and, and should be able to put up some points. I thought that a key to the game would be uh, the Raiders' red zone offenses. We spoke with Matt Schneidman last week of The Athletic about the Packers' defense and how they have been uh, susceptible to giving up big yardage all season long, but they've been very tough to score on inside the the red zone. And and that really proved to be a big factor in the game uh, when you consider that the Raiders had two turnovers in the red zone, both by Derek Carr, and Josh Jacobs was, was stuffed on that fourth and one um, from the one-yard line. So, you know, that was a major swing, uh, point swing in the game. Uh, the, the Packers were able to go down the field each time and score points, so major, major swing there. Um, the turnovers were absolute killers. Uh, the car fumble especially crucial. John Gruden spoke about it. The Raiders had a chance to go up in the game 17-14 just before the half. Uh, they would have um, prevented the the Packers from going down the field to score, I, I believe. Um, but instead of that happening, the next time the Raiders got the ball back into their hands, it was uh, the score was 28-10, and, and pretty much it was it was definitely over at that point. I chose the uh, car fumble as the turning point play of the week this week uh, on SilverAndBlackPride.com. Aaron Rodgers was just having one of those days where the Raiders would have had to score in every possession. It, it felt like to to have a shot in this game. Um, I, I do want to quickly comment on on the fumble by Derek Carr. Um, look, you know you, you can't blame, you can't fault Derek Carr for his effort. Um, the the guy just wants to make plays, and he and he wants to win so badly for his team. Uh, you you know it's hard to it's hard to get on him for for stuff like this. Um, you know you can never question his desire. There, that's one thing you can never. Um, second guess is his desire to win, but at the same time, it's just it's just not a smart play, and you expect um, from a quarterback who's been around now, uh, what six years, six seven years, 
Um, you got to be smarter when it comes to plays like that, especially when you're on the two-yard line um, in, a, in a very tight ball game. I mean, it was second down from the two. Just go out of bounds. Just just, just go out of bounds. Throw it away. Throw it away. Uh, there's no need for him to um, to try to make take that risk. Uh, and I've said it many times uh, over the years, and I feel like it's um, been more so recently in the last couple years about about DC, I, I just think sometimes his his desire to win, his desire to make plays, uh, begins to affect his decision making, and oftentimes, you know, the end result is him trying to do too much, uh, which which leads to an interception, forcing the ball to a receiver, which we saw on the second turnover where he tried to force the ball to Darren Waller. Um, I, I just think at times he tries to do too much, and it ends up hurting the team. So I, I you know. It, I, I'm obviously I'm not the coach of the team, but I think it's something that Gruden needs to address with him is just living to play another down, and, and you know you're not going to win the game in one play. So you know take it one play at a time, and, and just learn to make make a smart decision even when you know it's in the heat of the moment. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the defense because they were they were putrid. You can't put this all on Derek Carr, although although you know those turnovers were crucial. The defense uh, you know didn't do the team any favors. They were they were awful. All three levels were bad. The pass rush was was again non-existent. The linebackers were being picked on from the start of the game. Um, two Packers running backs caught touchdown passes. Uh, a tight end. Uh, Jimmy Graham caught a tight end, so there was definitely some matchup um, ish, issues there for for Raiders um, linebackers. And the secondary had one of the worst games that I can ever recall them having in recent memory. Um, they gave up explosive plays, they missed tackles, there was miscommunications. It's just everything that you don't want to see uh, from your secondary. And it wasn't just one person that you can point the finger at. Um, they were all bad. Conley w- was was. Um, was bad. Warley got beat for a touchdown. Harris gave up a touchdown. He had that uh, PI call on Jimmy Graham where he's grabbing his jersey. And I know that maybe that call was was seen as questionable to some people, but it, you know, it it was a call that was made. Uh, Carl Joseph um, had his issues in communication on the back end. The defense was just really exposed by the Packers, and 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 that led to you know 42 points of offense from the packers aaron rodgers finished the game with a perfect passer rating so that that really tells you all you need to know um you know i do think you can kind of chalk this one up into they just kind of ran into a buzzsaw i mean it wasn't a great performance they had they had mistakes on offense um they allowed the packers to do whatever they wanted to do on 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 offense um aaron rodgers is a hall of fame quarterback let's let's let's, let's be honest he had a career day um, you know, keep in mind the Raiders, while the Raiders have shown improvements this season, the Packers are one of the better teams in the league now. I mean, I, I believe they're what six and one now. Um, they're going to be uh, a team that should make a deep run into the playoffs. Um, the defense is much improved. So, um, try to keep things in perspective. You know, let, let's not, let's not, um, Let's not take the bridge here. Keep things in perspective. The Raiders are still three and three. They're still in the hunt. They're one spot out of the last wild card spot, and this week's game is is crucial um, when you think about the tiebreaker and the role that could play in the playoff picture. So those are some of my thoughts on on last week's uh, debacle in Green Bay. 
Uh, next, I do want to talk about the big news surrounding the Raiders this week, and that was the trade of Garyon Conley to the Houston Texans for a 2020 third-round pick. Um, it's it's really rare to see a player go from one team to another, one team, you know, a player being traded um, to a team that is the is the opponent for that week. But that kind of tells you how Gruden felt about Conley. He he just kind of wanted to get him out of there. He wanted to, he was ready to ship him out. I do think that Gruden gets criticized quite a bit for for making some emotional decisions, and I think sometimes um, that's accurate. But I, I I do believe I do agree with this move. I I think it was time to move on. I know Conley's still a very young player, and I and I I think he does he he can turn it around. But it just wasn't working out in Oakland. Um, I think getting a third-round pick back for him is good value for a player who, who's been largely a disappointment to this point in his career. He's, he's you know, battled injuries. I don't want to say injury plagued, but he he's definitely had his issue with injuries, um, and he's just not made an impact. Um, he's not made the impact that you, you expect from a first-round pick, especially a guy who. Um, you know, if you recall, he fell later to round one because of the the allegations that were going on with him. He was he was talked about as early as being an early first round pick. So definitely hasn't produced like a player who was projected to go as early as you know the first half of of round one. I, I don't really think um, a couple other thoughts on the trade. I don't think Gruden was ever really sold on Conley. You know, he was a part of that. Uh, Reggie McKenzie and, and Jack Del Rio uh, regime, which uh, only has two players remaining on that current roster from that that 2017 draft class, who was David Sharp and uh, Markel Lee. And, and if you think about it, Sharp was actually let go and then brought back. So not a lot of guys have survived from that 2017 draft class. Um. Conley doesn't really fit the mold of what of what Paul Gunther looks for in his corners. Um, he wants big, physical corners, and, and that's just not something that Raider fans have seen uh, from Gary on Conley. In fact, he doesn't look physical at all from, from what I could see. He 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 looks very kind of small out there, really. It's always one thing I thought. He just looks very kind of frail, I guess you could say. He does not tackle well. Um and at the end of the day, he 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 gave up too, far too many big plays. He was he was susceptible to giving up big explosive plays, whether it was missed tackles that allowed receivers to run free or uh, getting beat deep. It just gave up too many big plays, and, and I don't think um, Gruden or Gunther was was satisfied with the progress that they were seeing with him. You know, I've heard some people um, on Twitter. I've read some people's comments about um, Conley saying how he looks slow. He, he one person I read described it as he he looked like it's a just a struggle for him to move, um, almost as if it, like it pains him to move. He he kind of looks old out there, and you know I I kind of have to agree with those assessments. Although obviously, you know he's not old, and I'm sure it doesn't pain him to move. But it kind of looked that way when you watched him out there. He just always looked like he was kind of a step behind, and I think Gruden and Mayock. Uh, felt comfortable making this move with the trio of young rookie cornerbacks that they have on the roster and Trayvon Mullen, Isaiah Johnson, who we were hearing a lot of good things about um, through training camp, and then he suffered that injury and then was placed on IR. And, of course, uh, Keyshawn um, Nixon as well, the undrafted free agent. So um, 
if you listen to Paul Gunther this week when he met with the media, it sounds like Mullen is going to be getting all, um, you know, the first first look at, at the starting job. Uh, he, he's been getting the majority of the work this week in practice with the first team, and um, he. But he did also Gunther did also mention the possibility of of mixing in a number of different guys. Um, I believe um, Nevin Lawson is back uh, as well, so we we could see him getting some time as well. Uh, to finish up segment number one, I, I do want to talk a little bit um, about this week's game with the Texans. Um, this week is finally the end of that brutal five-game stretch of road games uh, for the Raiders, and and I know that um, you know players and coaches alike are are, are ready to um, you know not travel every weekend here. The Raiders are seven-point underdogs right now, and and, and these are some of my thoughts uh, on the game. Uh, the Texans' run defense has has been really good this year, long, uh, much like the Raiders have. Um, the Texans are giving up only about 84 yards um, a game on the ground right now. And um, as of now, Josh Jacobs is listed as questionable on, on the injury report, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. But um, I, I believe his health will be a major factor in the game. Uh, we all know how 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 big of a role he plays in the Raiders' offense, and we all know how much John Gruden wants to run the ball. If Jacobs is not available, I, I, I'm very concerned about the run game. I, I don't know if DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard can, um, you know, um, pick up the slack, so to speak. Um, even even with a good offensive line, you know, they're they're supposed to have all five offensive linemen who were who were projected to start at the beginning of the season. They finally have all five back. That's the plan. Um, I, I still think the run game could struggle if they're relying on Washington and, and Richard. Um, I, I do think this is a game where Derek Carr could be expected to put the offense on his on his shoulders, and, and it could work out because the Texans' pass defense has been very porous this year. It, it sounds like Tyrell Williams will be back in the lineup. He practiced this week, and it also sounds like Zay Jones could see some action as well. So I do think, um, although both teams would like to try to establish some sort of run game, it has the potential to be a high-scoring affair again this week. I do think one of the keys to the game will be the Raiders' pass rush. Um, will they be able to get some pressure on Deshaun Watson? He's a very mobile quarterback. He can he can make plays inside and outside the pack, pocket, much like uh, what they saw from Aaron Rodgers last week. The Raiders absolutely cannot allow him to just dance around back there and buy himself time in the pocket, um, again, like Aaron Rodgers was able to do last week. The Texans' offensive line has not been great in protecting Rodgers, or Rodgers, excuse me, Watson, uh, even with the addition of, of Laramie, Laramie Tunzel. Um, I did see on the injury report that um, the Texans' first-round draft pick right guard Titus Howard is out this week with a knee injury. Uh, Watson has already been sacked 21 times this year, so um, if there ever was a week for the Raiders' pass rush to to finally get something going and and you know and make a, a major impact on the game, it's got to be this week. So I, I do think that is one of the keys to the game. Uh, I do want to comment uh, before we uh, break here. I, I do want to uh, comment on on one more piece of news this week. Uh, surrounding the Raiders, and that was the passing of Raiders legend Willie Brown at the age of 78. Um, you know, obviously I'm a little bit too young to have, uh, you know, 
been around while uh, Willie Brown was playing. Um, of course, I've seen highlights and, and um, you know, I, I've read all the great things that people were saying about him um, and his passing this week. Uh, Brown is a Hall of Famer. Uh, he played 12 seasons with the Raiders, a four-time All-Pro. Uh, one of the more iconic plays in Super Bowl history was, was uh, Willie Brown's pick six to kind of seal the victory for the Raiders in Super Bowl XI. Um, you know, you, you really understand the impact that Willie Brown had on not only the Raiders organization, but the NFL and the league itself. Um, from the outpour of support that he received, that his family received after after his passing. This week, um, you saw past and present Raiders ranging from Khalil Mack to Tim Brown to Charles Woodson. I saw Darren McFadden all sending out tweets uh, with just kind things to say about how great of a man and how great of a person that uh, w- Willie Brown was. So, um, you know, that's what life's all about. It's about... Uh, you know, making an impact on people, and and you know, that's the kind of legacy that we all hope to to leave. You know, in our in our chosen profession. Uh, Willie Brown, rest in peace. My condolences to the Brown family. And after this quick break, uh, I'll be back to discuss the Week Eight injury report. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, uh, we're back here on Just Pod Baby with your host, Evan Grote. I do have the Week 8 injury report here in front of me for both teams. I'm going to start with the Houston Texans. Um, there are three players that are listed as out right now. Uh, that's wide receiver Will Fuller. Uh, I mentioned the uh, guard-slash-tackle Titus Howard with a knee injury and center guard Greg Mance. Uh, all three of those players are out. They do have some other players listed as questionable, um, notably, notable, most notable players in the secondary. They have three players in the secondary listed as questionable. Safety Tayshawn Gibson with a back, hamstring, and a wrist who was limited all week in practice. Um, cornerback, longtime Texan Jonathan Joseph with a hamstring and a neck injury. He was also limited all week in practice. And uh, newly acquired through free agency cornerback Bradley Roby with a hamstring. He was also limited all week. Um, you can see how banged up the Texans secondary is, which says a lot about why they went out and, and acquired Garyon Conley this week. Um, I would expect to see Conley step right in and, and play some big-time snaps for the Texans this week. Um, one other... Um, player listed here on the report as questionable is I believe he's a backup tackle Roderick Johnson Um, so I'm assuming he's their swing tackle I'm not certain so if Titus Howard can't go and Roderick Johnson also can't go I'm thinking they're going to be resorting to the third string uh, tackle which which again bodes well for that Raiders pass rush so uh, keep an eye on the status of those players as we uh, move closer to game time on Sunday. 
Raiders injury report. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, three players listed as questionable. Uh, Trent Brown still nursing that calf injury. He was limited on Wednesday and Thursday. Did get in a full practice on uh, Friday. So it does look like the Raiders will finally be at full strength with the offensive line. Um, other players listed as questionable. Josh Jacobs uh, did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Was limited on Friday. I don't believe he took part in much of practice. He was on the field I saw on Twitter for the stretching period, but uh, headed to the uh, workout facility once the practice began. So he's he's probably going to end up being a game time decision with that with that shoulder injury. Um, Arden Key's going to return this week. He was um, limited Thursday, full practice on Friday, so he's going to be back this week, as well as looks like Tyrell Williams is back. He's listed as questionable, um, but from what I heard today from Gruden, uh, they are expecting him to play. He was limited all week in practice. Um, a couple other players who were listed on the report this week for the Raiders but aren't listed with a game-time status is uh, Sedner Rodney Hudson. He did not practice on Wednesday. He was limited on Thursday and was a full go on Friday, as well as uh, guard Gabe Jackson with a knee. And this could just be kind of some planned rest for him. I'm not quite sure. Um, as he returned from his knee injury last week, he did not participate in practice on Wednesday. He was limited on Thursday and was a full go on Friday. So um, it sounds like maybe they're just kind of, um, you know, handling those two with, with, with kid gloves and just kind of giving them some extra rest. So that is your injury report for week eight. Keep an eye on some of those uh, game time statuses as we approach Sunday's kickoff. Up next is my interview with Patrick Starr, who covers the Houston Texans for SI.com. I would like to welcome this week's guest, Patrick Starr, who covers the Texans for SI.com. Uh, Patrick also uh, does some work for Sports Talk 790 AM in Houston, as well as uh, hosts his own podcast, State of the Texans. Uh, Patrick, welcome to Just Pod Baby. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, having me on. No problem. No problem. Uh, let's let's get right into this. Now, I haven't had the opportunity to really see much of the Texans this year. Uh, to be honest, I I saw you know bits and pieces of that Chiefs game. Um, but I did do some research in preparation for this interview tonight. Um, it looks like they've kind of had an up and down year. A uh, little inconsistency. They they opened the year with a close loss um, to the Saints. Then they rattled off two wins, followed that up with another close loss to the Panthers, uh, got back on track again with two more wins, including the win at Arrowhead. And, and Raiders fans know uh, all too well how, how difficult of a place it is to win in Arrowhead. Uh, but then again, last week, they uh, they were on the short end of a 30-23 to loss to the Colts. So my first question uh, is, what's been the issue for the Texans this year and, and, and why so much inconsistency from week to week? I'll tell you the funny thing about when you say, when you talk about the inconsistency. So Bill O'Brien has been with the Texans since 2000, you know, uh, 16, I think 15, 16, somewhere. It's been a while. And, you know, the, the MO for the Bill O'Brien era has always been these up and down stretches. I mean, last year they started uh, <clears throat> one and four, one and five, and then they rattled off, a, you know, 10, 11 in a row uh, to pretty much solidify their spot in the playoffs and in the AFC South. 
But this year has been a little bit different. The inconsistencies are still there, but they've never prior to this year been able to beat teams that have, um, how do you say, you know, upper echelon quarterbacks. Uh, may, you know, Phillip Rivers, uh, they, they did beat uh, the Garden Minshew Jaguars early. That was one of Deshaun Watson's uh, worst games. They did handle Matt Ryan. As we know, the Falcons' defense is terrible. But like you said, the big win they had against the Chiefs and uh, Phillip Rivers against the Chargers. I mean, these are wins that the Texans have never experienced before. But in the same breath, they've been they've had these lulls that they've had where they've had these emotional wins, these wins that they they haven't had before. Like always before, it was they could handle all the terrible quarterbacks before but when they play the good quarterbacks the Tom Brady's um you know uh, that's one that they've never been able uh to get by and even Patrick Mahomes last year and and uh you know Andrew Luck we knew the story but this year like I said has been the opposite and that's like a total 180 than what we're used to especially me covering uh O'Brien and his tenure here that this has been a, a team that has shown that Maybe this team is for real. Maybe this team can be one of those teams. And, of course, we know it all starts with Deshaun Watson. But that's the big thing that I've noticed. This up and down is a totally reverse one where it kind of gives the fan base, especially, you know, some of the ones that comment on articles that we put out and, you know, uh, ask questions and that we answer and things like that, that you can almost sense a different vibe, that they're not so much down like before, like, there's actually hope now. I mean, the Kansas City win was one that no one really knew what the Texans were going to do. They were down cornerbacks. They were down uh, personnel. And they went in there, and, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about the Chiefs itself, but no matter how down that team looks, you always have to be leery because of Mahomes and how well he plays and all the weapons, Travis Kelsey and what Andy Reid can do. And the Texans went in there and just did what they wanted. And it was really no question. After the Chiefs jumped out, the Texans really took control of that game. And it was uh, pretty much over. And that gave a lot of people hope on, like, hey, this team could be for real. And then they had the emotional letdown against the Chief, uh, the Colts where they were sloppy. Penalties, uh, poor execution. Uh, it was just a, a, a myriad of different types of issues. But – it's, it, they're, they're a Jekyll and Hyde team right now with a huge ceiling that looks like, man, this team can be really good. And you come back and see a week later and you're like, ugh, this is ugly. Right, right. Good stuff there. Um, I always like to start these interviews off uh, with, with getting an update um, on the opposing team's injury report. I do have a copy of um, the report as of today, I did see that, uh, Will Fuller was ruled out along with, uh, a couple other guys, Titus Howard, um, Greg, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce it right. Greg Manzik, um, Mance, Mance, Greg Mance. Yeah. Uh, can you there talk, you can you talk about some of the other notable players who are listed on the report and, um, you know, what is the expectation as far as them uh, being active for the game? And, and if not, how will it impact the game for the Texans? Well, you, you mentioned the first two right there, Will Fuller, who just got hurt the first drive against the Colts last week. Uh, luckily for the Texans, they have Kenny Stills, who they got in the trade for Laramie Tunsil at the beginning of the year. Uh, 
Stills will jump into his spot, and I don't expect like a huge fall off in that sense. Kenny Stills has actually been pretty good this year. Uh, Titus Howard's a big one. He's been out two weeks. He got hurt in the Kansas City Chiefs game, tore uh, slightly tore uh, uh, MCL in his uh, knee. Uh, luckily, they uh, were able to. Uh, it's not a season ender, but as you know, they've got to let those big guys heal. He's their first round draft selection. A lot of people didn't like it, but he's actually been. Him and Tunfo have been outstanding as their offensive tackles, and everyone knows the Texans' offensive line has been uh, the topic of discussion the entire offseason, but their offensive line has been a lot better. And, and as you noted, <clears throat> the Texans are dealing with multiple injuries. The guy that uh, actually stepped in for Titus Howard, uh, Roderick Johnson, uh, a guy that was with Cleveland, what, two or three seasons ago, uh, got cut. He was a fifth or sixth-round pick out of Florida State. A lot of people said he came out too early. Uh, the Texans just kind of <laughs> a reclamation project and turned him into a, a suitable right tackle or a swing tackle, and he started, and he's been okay. He won a spot during training camp. Well, he got hurt last week, a neck issue. Uh, it looks like a guy they just claimed off of a uh, practice squad or signed off the practice squad from the New England Patriots, Dan Skipper, a 6'9", uh, offensive tackle, uh, should be – starting it there for him. He got a little run last week, and he's only been with the Texans for, uh, what, four practices, less than a uh, little over a week. So if Roger Johnson can't go, Dan Skipper will be there. And uh, depending how the, the Raiders' pass rush is, I know they have a few guys that can heat up the passer. That's going to be an area of concern that I'm going to be watching is Skipper. He just hasn't played enough football. He's been a practice squad guy for two or three seasons. Uh, and and now he's already thrown into the heat of things, and he'll probably more than likely be the starter at right tackle. Uh, the biggest concern for the Texans right now uh, is probably the reason why Garyon Conley now is here is their secondary. Uh, and it's not necessarily that their personnel is terrible. It's just that they're banged up and injured. Bradley Roby, their big signing, uh, their one-year gamble from the uh, Denver Broncos, who's been their best cornerback the entire season, hurt his hamstring. Uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs, it seems like everybody's getting hurt against the Kansas City Chiefs. He'll more They have him listed as questionable. It's more than likely he'll be out, uh, which is a huge plus for the Raiders. I think that he's been uh, a huge plus for this secondary. Jonathan Joseph, the veteran for the Texans, uh, he looks like he, he will play. Uh, he has a neck injury that uh, he suffered last week. Uh, but him, Lonnie Johnson, and you'll probably see Garyon Conley already uh, suited up uh, this Sunday. And then Tashawn Gibson, they're starting safety. Uh, he's been, I mean, it seems like every week they add a new new slash to his uh, injury report. I think right now it says wrist, back, and I want to say hamstring. That's correct. That's correct. He's got a little bit of everything, and he's playing <laughs> with a cast on that hand, uh, that wrist injury. So, I don't know what they're going to do in his sense. If he can't go, Jaleel die. Uh, he's been an AFC West mainstay. He was with the Chargers for the longest, but he would be the, the one that would go in that place. And they'd have to figure out who their third safety is. But their secondary is, uh, like I said, has been decimated by injury. They lost Phillip Gaines last week uh, with a high ankle sprain that's going to require surgery. He's done for the year. Uh, so they've had a lot, a lot of injuries that they've had, and that's the main reason they had to go get Gary on Conley. 
Okay, well, that's a perfect segue to my next question because obviously we all know there was the big trade this week between the Raiders and the uh, Texans, excuse me. Um, and it's not common you see a player uh, go from one team to the other when it's the upcoming opponent. But you know that's what happened with uh, Gary Conley this week. Um, so you, you kind of already touched on it. The Texans, you, you do believe the Texans are planning on uh, suiting up Conley, and, and he is expected to step in immediately and play this week. Oh yeah, I mean Bill O'Brien's already alluded to it on uh, Wednesday, the day they traded for him. He flew in Monday. Uh, did the physical because I think that's exactly when the trade went down, so to speak. Uh, but yes, he uh, arrived at Houston Monday. If, my, if I'm correct, uh, good friend and uh, actually close friend, uh, Bradley Roby, uh, who was with him at Ohio State, was actually at the airport waiting for him. So this has actually been a, uh, how would you say, a so-called, uh, you know, he called it a new vibe. He was embracing uh, the entire situation, just because of, you know, he kind of knew that he fell out of favor uh, with the Raiders, you know, being a Jack Del Rio, Reggie McKenzie uh, holdover into the John Gruden era, moving into the uh, the Mayock uh, situation. Uh, so he kind of knew. And then, you know, you hear uh, one thing that had a lot of Houston fans uh, scratching their heads when John Gruden said that uh, they wanted to go younger at the position. And you look at Gary on Conley, he's only 24 years old. So uh, had a lot of people wondering, and uh, Bill O'Brien's confident that he it fits exactly what the Texans want to do. The Texans want to play a man scheme, and they feel like Gary on Conley, a guy that they have been wanting since 2017, when they met with him during the pre-draft process. That's the same year they got Deshaun Watson. They felt like it was just too good of a situation to pass up. Uh, one guy that helped them find a little bit more about Gary on Conley is uh, Texans outside linebacker coach former uh, defensive coordinator, I think his assistant head coach there for the Raiders at the time was John Pagano. He was there uh, with the Raiders in 2017 when uh, he was drafted. So they have a, a little bit more insight on Conley than most people realize. And getting him in Houston is probably a big thing because the Texans plan on keeping him. Not only do they have him this year, as you know, uh, covering him, that you know he's still in the middle of his rookie deal and the Texans plan to exercise his fifth-year option to continue to let him develop here in Houston, and they plan to have him part of this secondary. And that's why they're excited that they were able to get, you know, a first-round talent. And like I said, I think that's the beauty of sports a little bit. You know what I'm saying is that Raiders fans ready to throw him in the bucket. Texans fans are looking at this as a, hey, this guy's a first-round talent. Maybe it just wasn't the right thing. Because there's a lot of times when you see this happen when – players get traded and it's just not the place for them, then all of a sudden you're like, man, that it works out. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But uh, yes, Gary on Conley will be suited up. He will be wearing number 22. I think he wore that number in his rookie season with the Raiders, but yes, he will be suited up on Sunday. Yeah, I agree with you about the, uh, you know, the kind of a change of scenery it can be really good for, uh, for players sometimes. And, and sometimes it's, you know, it comes down to a scheme fit and, and for whatever reason, um, it, it just didn't work out with the Raiders, but, um, you know, it sounds like the, the, the Texans feel like he's, he's a, like you said, a great fit for what they're trying to do there in Houston. Um, I, I do want to stay on the defensive side of the ball. We've already touched on, um, on the past defense, 
Um, how's the the pass rush looked? I know that um, obviously they lost Javion Clowney there in a trade. Um, you, you still have JJ Watt, but but how has the the, the pass rush held up without Clowney? The pass rush is a mixed bag right now. Outside of JJ Watt, uh, Whitney Merciless has I think five and a half sacks, four and a half, five and a half sacks somewhere in there. He hadn't had one in a while after he got off to a great start to. Uh, for the season, but after that, they've been really non-existent. It's been pretty much J.J. Watt nonstop. J.J. Watt last week had six quarterback hits. He didn't have a sack at all, but he was all over the place. And, uh, I mean, it revolves around him. They're doing things up front, uh, running stunts to make sure they get J.J. Watt one-on-one. The one thing that I've noticed about J.J. this year, he's more willing to move inside again. There's been a, It's been a few seasons, especially since his injury, uh, he had those back-to-back seasons of injuries where he's exclusively just wanted to stay on the outside, uh, so to speak. Uh, this year, he's actually getting back to the inside over guards, uh, and that's been a huge, huge plus. And uh, like I said, it's been a mixed bag. The Texans have had to try to uh, blitz uh, safeties, cornerbacks, run dogs with the linebackers trying to get in there. So I think, uh, you know, I, I thought about this too, you know, Derek Carr is one of the least uh, sacked quarterbacks in the NFL because he gets rid of the ball so quick. And I would be very surprised if the Texans have more than two sacks or if any of that. I'll be surprised if they even get to Derek Carr on Sunday. I think this this game, and I'm probably jumping the gun a little bit because uh, I'm just thinking about it, uh, I this, this game is going to fall on the Texans' cornerbacks to tackle and cover just because of – how well how well Derek Carr gets the ball out. I mean, he's one of the best in the NFL getting the ball out, uh, controlling the pass rush, and uh, and just not holding on to the football. And I think that's the big thing that uh, a lot of people don't realize when it comes to pass rush. Why isn't the pass rush getting to the quarterback or whatever? It's because the quarterback controls it all, and that's one thing that Derek Carr does well. And I think that gives the Raiders offensively some advantage against the Texans. Uh, just because they don't, the Texans struggle coverage-wise, and they're prone to missed tackles. Wow, great stuff here from Patrick Starr, who covers the Texans for SI.com. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the Texans' offense now. They've been pretty potent this year. They're eighth. Uh, they're the eighth highest scoring team in the league, averaging 26 points a game, fifth in total yards. It appears that they have some pretty good balance. The run game seems to be doing well with uh, Carlos Hyde and, and Duke Johnson, and of course you've got. Um, one of the the best receivers in the league with DeAndre Hopkins. What has been the formula for the Texans' offense this year that has allowed them to put up those uh, gaudy numbers? It all starts with the running game. It all starts with Carlos Hyde. Uh, if they can get the ball running early, if they can get it going early in that first quarter, I think the Raiders are in trouble, and I think that's been their formula the entire time. That's what sets up their play-action game and all those other things because Bill O'Brien doesn't want – Deshaun Watson to be a 40-plus passer game, uh, you know, 40-pass attempt guy um, often. I mean, that's just not how he wants to do it because, I mean, you're prolonging the game. Bill O'Brien, despite having one of the most, um, how would you say it, new-age quarterbacks, he still has that old-school mentality where he still believes that you got to run the football to win games. And they're going to do it. And it's, a, and it's a really good formula. And I don't have any problems with it because – I understand what he's trying to do. But it starts with Carlos Hyde in this offensive line. If they can get things going, I think it'll be a long day uh, for the Raiders because what happens then, 
is if that running game gets going, linebackers start peaking, safeties start peaking, and that's when DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Kenny Stills, Kiki Cutie, uh, Duke Johnson out of the backfield, and even Darren Fells and Jordan Akins, all these weapons that Deshaun Watson has really not had in the past. Because remember last year, uh, it was just DeAndre Hopkins. Will Fuller missed a portion of the season with a torn ACL. Kiki Cutie could not get healthy with a hamstring injury. Uh, despite Will Fuller being out with his hamstring injury, this is the healthiest skill group he has had into the midpoint of any any season of his career. And it's showing. There's not a receiver that he does not like. Uh, you'll see that DeAndre Hopkins is kind of an underneath guy. But when they have to turn to him to, to make plays, he's the man. And uh, Kenny Stills, I don't think enough's been said about him. I mentioned he had two catches last week uh, for uh, – he, he had four catches for 101 yards. Two, two of the catches, one went for 45. The other one went for 41 yards. Uh, Will Fuller can take the top off of defense, but Kenny Stills is just as good, in my opinion, if not better, with how consistent he is when he catches the football. Uh, I just think that with the weapons they have, they're, this is one of the most dangerous teams they've had in the Bill O'Brien era, especially offensively. They had two touchdown drives last week against the Colts, that took less than three minutes, and both of them covered over 70 yards. That's how dangerous they can be. And if you remember the, the crazy game they had on Monday Night Football, they were able to, the, to cover 75 yards in two plays in less than 30 seconds on two passes. That's, that's how good they are. Uh, but it's all about consistency. It's about if they can get that run game going. And uh, we know Deshaun Watson is, you know, this has been – the best growth from Deshaun Watson as a quarterback himself, protecting himself. The offensive line uh, has been really a different monster than it has been since Deshaun Watson has become quarterback. And I think it's proved to be a reason why there's been such a, uh, a good incline of production for this offensive unit. Yeah, it sounds like both teams, uh, you know, want to run the ball, but it also sounds like this is a game because of the the poor secondaries by both teams, where you could see a lot of points being scored. Uh, I do have one final question here for you, Patrick, and you've been doing a great job giving us some great information here as we preview this week's game. Um, and I don't want to get too far ahead here, but looking at the way things currently stand, if you look at the standings and, and kind of the playoff picture right now, is the Texans who hold the final wild card spot. Uh, one spot ahead of the Raiders. Now, with the Texans and the Colts kind of battling it out right now for the AFC South Division title, this week, uh, this week's game could have major implications as far as uh, tiebreaker uh, purposes. So that being said, I just kind of want you to give us a prediction for the game. Uh, the Texans are currently seven-point favorites. What do you think? You got a, you got a, um, a prediction for the game? I usually do it by possessions. I usually don't, <clears throat> don't do like actual scores. I think the Texans are at least a possession, uh, maybe a possession or two better than, than the Raiders. So I can probably see it from a seven to a 10 point game, maybe a seven to a nine point game somewhere in there. I, I just think that the Texans offensively uh, are a little bit better, uh, you know, because here's the ultimate deal is that despite how bad, the Texan secondary looks at times. The one thing they will not do, they will not give up the deep ball. And they're going to force Derek Carr to do everything he can to be as accurate as he can underneath. Be patient and just continue to 
to make plays and make plays and literally force him to make a mistake because that's Romeo Cornell's, uh, that's Romeo Cornell's thing. He's going to force his defense to be as fundamentally sound as they can and then force the game into Derek Carr's hand. They're going to try and shut down the run, which they've been more than able to. And as you know, what Josh Jacobs is dealing with a shoulder injury, they said they're going to give him a go. Uh, if it's not him, it's, it's one of the backs that you guys have. But ultimately, I think that's – if Jacobs doesn't play, I think that bodes well for the Texans because they'd definitely rather have one of the other two backs that the Raiders have running the football than Jacobs. And uh, just in my opinion, I just think personnel-wise, I think the Texans are in better shape uh, than the Texans because Deshaun Watson, in my opinion, is a difference maker. And uh, if I'm trying to figure out who's going to – be the one in the end that you want the football is going to be Deshaun Watson. But I think the Texans at home, and like you said, with where they're at, as you mentioned, this AFC matchup, I think it's very important that they've got to find a way to get this win. Patrick, that's all I got for you. That that is an excellent spot there with Patrick Starr, uh, covers the Texans for SI.com. I want to appreciate, or I want to, Thank you, uh, Patrick, for for joining me on the podcast tonight. I know for a fact the listeners are going to love this this uh, interview and this preview that you did here with us. I hope you enjoy the game, Patrick, um, and keep up the good work. All right, man. I appreciate you. All right, we're back here just to put some finishing touches on this one. I do want to thank Patrick once again for giving me so much of his time. That was great analysis and great insight there. Uh, You won't find a better game preview anywhere. Um, I do have some final pieces of information. I do think it's important that the Raiders end this uh, five-game road trip here with a a winning, uh, with a win and and, and go three and two on the road trip. Um, The schedule does get a little bit easier in the next four with uh, games against the Lions, the Chargers, the Bengals, and the Jets. So uh, the Raiders have a chance to make a little run here. Unfortunately, you know what that music means. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Just Pod Baby with your host, Evan Grote. I hope everyone enjoyed the show. I thank you all for being loyal listeners to the show. Do me a favor, leave me some feedback. Leave me a rating, comment. Let me know how I'm doing. I hope everyone enjoys the game this week. Have a great weekend and just win, baby.